Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Self-Publishing Tips and Tricks Show, a series designed to give you insight into the world of self-publishing and marketing your books. I'm Shannon, writing under the pen name of S.E. Houston, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Ben Pick. And I'm Morgan Lee. And today we're here with fantasy author C.M. Lockhart. We're going to ask her questions about her self-publishing journey and how she markets her work. But before we jump into the interview, do you guys have any news or points of interest you want to talk about? And I know that we just did an interview last week, so there may not be much that has changed, but let us know what you have going on. I don't have any big plans in terms of writing for the summer. I may be saying I'm my current work in progress to professional editors or beta readers at that point, but just the general stuff. Every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, I do questionable writing advice through running metaphors on YouTube as running to write. And yeah, for me, I don't have much planned with like my YouTube channel. I'm hoping I'll get back to actually releasing content. For me, middle of August when this is coming out, well, kiddos will be going back to school about that time. <laughs> so that's probably where my mind's mostly going to be. My hope is in my writing life that I will be finishing up book two in my series, which I'm working on right now as part of Camp NaNoWriMo. It is slow going though, and I'm about to receive the rest of my beta reader feedback right now as of the time that we're interviewing. And so I'll probably be spending my next couple of weeks revising my draft and then getting it to my editors. And so that's, that's what I'll be doing. So now let's talk about our guest author today, CM Lockhart, also known to us as Chelsea, is a Black writer of fantasy because she loves creating worlds, exploring relationships, and writing stories about Black girls who aren't all that nice. Her debut novel, We Are the Origin, was released in 2022, and its sequel, We Are Dying Gods, will be released August of 2023. And if you guys have not seen the covers, you need to go to our website and go look at it. They're beautiful. Uh, she's also the founder of Written in Melanin, LLC, which includes a bi-weekly podcast and YouTube channel of the same name, and the Melanin Library, an online database of books written by Black authors. She's also a lover of video games and anime. So whenever she's at reading and writing or talking about reading and writing, she's watching anime, playing her Switch, and dreaming about the day her books get animated. And hello and welcome, Chelsea. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, we're so glad that you are here today with us. Would you please take a moment to introduce yourself and cover anything that we didn't cover in our introduction? Okay. Well, you got most of it. So hello. I'm CM Lockhart. I go by Chelsea on the interwebs and in real life as well, because that's my name. And I have a YouTube channel and a podcast called Written in Melanin Podcast, where I talk about things Black and bookish and writerly. And I also am the founder of the Melanin Library, which is an online database of books written by Black authors. And yeah, I kind of do things here and there. I'm also a big fan of indie authors. So I offer like editing and formatting services freelance, and I'm also a mentor. So I help people on their own author journey where they're like, hey, um, I want to do this, but I'm not sure where to start. You know, that's kind of where I come in. And I've been having a lot of fun with that recently. So yeah, I think that's it. Those are all the hats for right now. <laughs> it's quite a bit that you do though. Yeah, got to keep busy, you know, and there's always so much to do with always authoring, just yeah. like writing it is the fun part and the easiest part of it, ironically. <laughs> that's what I always say. People ask me shortly after I published my first book, what was the easiest part? I said, writing it. <laughs> Yeah, especially right at the beginning of your uh, indie career, because there is just so much to learn. Absolutely. And I feel like when you're writing, it's like, that's the fun part where you can just like be in your room and you're just like, it's all about you, and your story, your characters and what you can create. But then after that, it's just like people, how do I get people to read this? 
Right. Well, before we jump into questions of self-publishing and marketing your books, could you tell us what made you want to start writing at the beginning and then about that journey to self-publishing your first book? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I've always wanted to be a writer. I feel like so many indie authors and self-published authors say that. Like, it's like, it was in me. I had to do it. But like, truly, I fell in love with writing in like school, like you know, when you had free time and it's just like the teacher was like, okay, everybody take out a sheet of paper and write. It's just like, I really enjoyed that. And then as I got older, I came up very much with the age of the internet <laughs> in a lot of ways, like when everyone was on it. So my dad, I remember very specifically, like we had a computer because my dad used to work from home sometimes. So uh, we, he got a laptop and he had a desktop in his room. Therefore the laptop got to travel around the house. And I was like, ew, okay. And I found one of those like writing sites. I think the first one that I found was like Quizilla with Nickelodeon and people were writing their own stories and stuff and I was like oh this is so cool at the time the obsession was Naruto and like Sasuke and emo boys a lot of quizzes about those about which one you would end up with but there were also a lot of stories and I just I don't know I just made an account and I just started writing stories from there and I loved it and people being able to read it and being like oh my god I love your story and it's just like ah, people are reading this story this is so fun so that was just kind of like the start of it. And then I continued that from like the time I was like 12, 13, all the way up through high school, 17, 18. By then I had like one fully completed story and then, you know, like real life kicked in. So my mom was like, oh, you're going to college. So you need like a degree in something uh, fun. Writing is a hobby. I suggest you do something else. <laughs> so you know, a deviation for about five or six years where I was doing other things. And then finally, as an adult, I was teaching. I hated it. I call those the dark ages because I was just like, you know what? This isn't it. This isn't for me. And uh, that kind of brought me back to writing because I was talking to my husband and he was just like, yeah, so this is what you need to do. Don't get another job. You just sit here and write the books because that's what makes you happy. And uh, that's that's kind of where we are. It kind of started just from writing the one story that I didn't get to finish from because I started college, finished that one, published it, had a crash course in like, oh, once you write a book, you have to like market it and you have to like talk to people. And then learning all that, I was just like, oh, okay, I've learned this information. And there are other people who are back at step one where I was not a while ago. So maybe I can help other people so that it's not as difficult for them as it was for me having to like completely scour the internet without one consolidated place to get all of this information. And that's kind of how Written in Melanin kind of came about. And the writing itself was just like, I don't know, I just always loved it. And I feel like that was a very long winded answer to your question. <laughs> but that's kind of where it came from. Um, I just, I've always loved telling stories, you know? In 2019, you established your brand and built your author platform with your company Written in Melanin, which includes a digital database of books written by Black authors, your own YouTube channel, and Written in Melanin podcast. Can you tell us what your goals were when you first started, which continue through today, and how this supports your author platform now? Yeah, absolutely. So I would probably ask you to repeat the second half of the question because the way my short-time memory is set up, um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to remember it by the time I get to the first half. But um, the goals for them were basically uh, the same. So Written in Melanin came first and then the Melanin Library with the Black database. The ideas kind of spawned at the same time, but sometimes you can only tackle <laughs> one thing at a time. With the podcast and the YouTube channel, those came about because YouTube, because I was just like, oh, I like, I've always kind of been interested in it. And I was like, okay, I kind of want to create content. And I don't know how many people are in the, the booktube to author tube pipeline, but I really thought because I was out here reading books that I was going to be a booktuber. And then I was like, oh, 
these girlies are reading like hundreds of books a year. I read like 12 books a year. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work. Initially, it was just, I wanted a community because like I said, I had quit teaching um, and it was basically just me and my husband and as much as I love him, two pieces. I was like, I need people that are not him. So that's kind of where I got attracted to YouTube and just like a community of some sort where it's just like, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm not invisible trapped in the house all the time. And also I was just like, like I said, I had this information from learning how to be an author that where I was just like, okay, I found this information. Somebody else might be looking for this information. And when I looked for it the first time I searched YouTube for it and I didn't find anything that was like definitive and also within my attention span, because some of these videos that I found were like 45 minutes long. And I was like, I'm not going to listen to you for 45 minutes to answer this one question about ISBNs. So I was just like, I want to create shorter content about it. So that's like digestible, like yes or no. Do I need an ISBN? Yes, you do. <laughs> it's like, yes or no. Do I need a barcode? No, you don't. So things like that. And then with the podcast, it kind of was like a spinoff of that same idea. Where I was just like, I want to be able to share my own like author journey and the things that I'm learning. But I also want to talk to other people because there are other authors out here doing this exact same thing in the self-publishing indie publishing space who have knowledge and have books and things that I had never heard of because, you know, at the time, 2018, 2019, 2020, um, publishing was just like, it's always been very much like, here's the new thing from our selected authors, but they're for every one author you see through Chad Pub, they're like a hundred other authors doing it themselves through self and indie, you know? And so the podcast just came a place of, oh, there are other people who are doing this, have been doing this, like, let's talk to them as well. And it just kind of grew from that. And and even now the goal, um, the goal for the podcast is still very much the same. Like I still do um, author interviews, although <laughs> learned from some trial and error. So they're a little less frequent, um, mostly because the author interviews I do now, either I already know the author and like I'm familiar with their platform or I've already read their book. Whereas before I was just talking to any and everyone who wanted to come on the podcast, which led to some interesting outtakes and things that will always stay in the drafts because wild. <laughs> but the YouTube channel has kind of shifted a lot because like I said when I first started it I thought I was going to do booktube and bookish content that didn't work out so then I tried to shift to like writer content like hey if you want to be a writer do this and I was just like I haven't figured that out I should probably not tell other people how to do this so it shifted from that to I took like pretty much like a year hiatus where I was just like not doing YouTube that wasn't my priority and when I came back to it I was just like I want to do something different that's like low maintenance and then I had started watching actually Morgan's uh her writing sprints on Mondays and I was like oh this is fun like just coming together and having a community and writing and being productive together that kind of inspired me to be like oh I want to like I think I want to live stream because that sounds fun and just be like organic and in the moment and at the time I had an author friend where we were having like these two-hour conversations just in our just like private conversations where we were just like talking on a daily basis just laughing and having a good time talking about what was going on in publishing talking about all the Twitter drama because Twitter always has drama and just having a good time and we were like you know what other people would enjoy this and so um I created a show called the melanin chat on the YouTube channel where it's just like yeah weekly we come together we talk about bookish things we laugh we have a good time and it just kind of grew from there we are starting our fourth season actually on May May 9th uh we're coming back for our fourth season and it's grown a lot my co-host has changed so it's Audra Russell now but it's still very much just like a fun space to talk about things and I think the goal for the YouTube channel now is I just really wanted a space to be able to connect with people and to be able to talk about things without it being pressure, without being like, oh, this is a professional. I can't act.
asked my question because I feel like it's not professional. I was like, no, we're over here kiki and laughing and having a good time. And it's like, if you have a question, talk about it. And also a place just to be candid about the things that are happening. Because sometimes I feel like as professionals on the internet, we have to carry ourselves a certain way in order to not be perceived as like, oh, you're a problematic author. But like some things that are happening are just like really objectively kind of terrible. And the way that people treat authors sometimes on the internet is just objectively kind of terrible. So just being able to talk about it and be like, oh, as an author, you probably should not attack the people who are leaving reviews on your book. You know, that's probably not a good idea. So yeah, I feel like, again, long-winded answer. Um, but I I don't know. I feel like a lot, in a lot of ways, the goals are still very much the same. And for the Melanin Library, the goal was always just like, um, I'm a Black author. I write very <laughs> Black stories with Black characters. And the goal was just like, I just want a place where it's just like these authors can exist without necessarily having to be suppressed by the algorithm, which is like an actual proven thing. And because I remember reading articles about it, especially when it came to light, kind of came to a head around the end of 2019, early 2020, where there are all these news articles, putting out articles talking about how algorithms and the people who designed them, even though they're not, it's not intentional, like how they're biased against uh, people of color. And I was just like, oh, that's why I can't find books. And my mom, I was literally on a phone call with her and she was just like, I'm looking looking for a new romance, but all she could find by Black authors was Beverly Jenkins, who is wonderful, extremely established, an amazing author, but also, you know, reading the same author a dozen times, eventually you want something different, no matter how good they are. And so I was just like, huh, I'm already on the internet. I know how to make a website. I know how to do research. I'm going to create a website. And um, it was very complicated. It was a really big dream. And it was probably not the best idea at the time, but you know, we did it. <laughs> and it's come a long way since then. There's a whole team behind it now. It's not just me and my mom, like, looking. <laughs> for books on the internet and adding them to the site. So the goal has always just been to uplift Black authors because in a lot of ways, sometimes the, the internet kind of, I don't want to say overlooks us, but sometimes it can be hard to get the traction that you're looking for. So that's kind of what it's all about. And I would say that is come out, especially with the with the big five last year trying to merge two of the houses, has come out that a lot of bias is, is also in the traditional side too. Um, oh yeah. For, uh, authors of color. So a lot of that has come to light as well. And I think we kind of always knew that, but it's some of it's been confirmed now. Yeah, I think it's a com I think it's different when like you kind of know something and you can see it, but then to have someone who's very much in it, um, especially, you know, for me specifically, you know, being a black woman and hearing some hearing non, you know, black people coming out and being like, Yeah, no, this is absolutely how things work. It's just kind of like it's, it's I don't want to say it's validating because it's kind of like, see, we told you, but also it's just kind of like, wow, this is how it works. And it's one of those things where I, I love being self and indie published. It's always what I personally wanted to do but it's also like when you hear things like that especially when it came out that you know they're releasing articles and news news outlets are saying like oh some of these authors only sell 12 books like you're traditionally publishing you sell 12 books that's like that's wild that's crazy but these are also the people that are being like chosen and I think about those same articles that were coming out circa 2020 where it's just like oh we gotta support black authors we gotta support black authors but all the books that were coming out were very much pain and trauma and even when the black girl was the main character she was still like the only black character in the story and it just came became very like okay there are only certain types of stories that traditional publishing really wants to see and that was kind of disappointing I'll say not unsurprising but disappointing at the same time if that makes sense uh, what advice would you give to other writers who are thinking about publishing and still looking to establish their brand 
identity in their author platform? I would say be comfortable with yourself first before you try to create anything on the internet, because once it's on the internet, it will definitely be challenged in a lot of ways, especially if you are thinking of wanting to like share it or create a platform for yourself. So I would just say, just be comfortable with yourself and find a way to exist on the internet in your most authentic way possible, because that's always going to attract more people than any manufactured version of yourself that you try to put out in order to like sell a product, if that makes sense. So if your favorite color is orange, center your author brand around that instead of picking, being like, oh, well, my book cover is like green and white. Well, that's only one cover. Your brand should be about you and not necessarily about one particular product that you're pushing. So if you're happy with it, you'll continue to be happy with it. and You can grow from there versus creating something that you don't like from the very beginning or not even something that you don't like, a manufactured version of yourself from the very beginning. Um, and if you're looking to get into publishing, uh, just do your research, know what's right for you. Traditional publishing is right for some people. Um, Self-publishing is right for some people. So just kind of know what it is for yourself that you want and know what it is that you want to accomplish and what success looks like for you so that you can chase the right dream, I'll say. I had heard your of your name as an author tuber on the platform because we're all here, all of us here are on YouTube quite a bit. Yes. Uh, I didn't really know you though until Morgan introduced me to you and your channel and I got to learn more about you. And so I know you don't really know that much probably about me either, but I felt called out. <laughs> green is like my least favorite color, but because my book covers are green, I felt like my author brand had to be green, but I don't like green. I was like, how am I doing this? I don't know. I went with green first and that was just so not true to me. <laughs> I love that you say that because I'm like, if you're listening to this and you're not on YouTube or seeing the visual, I have green hair, a green dress. My I book cover it. is like, <laughs> it's like green. <laughs> green is my absolute favorite color in the Morgan entire too. world. And so <laughs> I was not prepared for you to be like, I hate green. I was like, oh, snap. I dressed inappropriately for this. <laughs> no, no. I, said, I, hate I think I just, I don't personally prefer green but my covers are green but I did mm -hmm. that because they're based on Irish mythology and green is a you know they're identifying color so yeah. I was trying to capture it but I was like I don't want green on my website but that I made that mistake at first so I've been using green and um, so I think that what you said is very important we need to go with how we feel comfortable with what we identify with not because we're trying to match our book cover <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I give this advice and a lot of the advice that I give is like from, oh, I did that and it was wrong. Let me tell you the right way to do it. Because when I first did at my website, uh, my original cover for Keeping Promises, which is the novella, which I say is like Bruno, we don't really talk about that one. It exists. I'm not ashamed of it, but we don't really talk about that one. But the original cover was like black and pink and purple. I am not a girly girl, pink and purple. I don't vibe with them. And my website, a lot of my branding was pink and purple and I hated it. And I was just like this. I mean, it, she cute but like she's not that cute she's not all that in a bag of chips you feel me so I was just like yeah no when I rebranded and I had learned a couple things about a couple things I was just like yeah we're gonna go with green and this is just going to be the consensus so and it just so happened that my next book had a very green <laughs> color base it was just coincidence no and I think your covers are absolutely gorgeous so are Morgan's hers are also green based so it's not like I hate green I just don't personally like it <laughs> so like you, uh, I, I have ice dragons in my next book, my series, my next, so they're blue, which is my favorite color. I was like, okay, this works out good. <laughs> yeah, but I love that for you. <laughs> 
So you are a super busy woman writing the next book in your series, writing a YouTube channel, podcast. You offer a whole suite of indie services to include developmental editing, formatting, and mentoring. What have you learned from working with other indie authors for your own writing and publishing life that could help other writers and self-publishers? I would say the biggest thing would be don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't think that some author is too big and out of your reach. And if you appreciate what they're doing and you like how they're doing, don't be afraid to just like interact with them. Because one of the things that I've learned just interacting with like my clients with like mentoring and formatting and such is just that a lot of them are just like, oh my God, I was afraid to reach out to you because they read my book first and they saw my platform before they ever really got to know me. And I'm just like, I'm just a person, y'all. I am really just an introvert hiding behind the screen. I don't even have a pants right now. Like y'all are out here wilding. Okay. Like I'm normal and it's just, it's interesting. And then like when they really do get to know me and we're talking about their journey and we're talking about, I'm giving them advice and trying to guide them the best way that I know how to, it becomes a thing where it's just like, okay, like we're really cool with each other and they feel a lot more comfortable opening up. And I realize that it's a process for everyone, but like, especially in the beginning, when you feel like I'm out here by myself and I see everyone else doing this thing and I don't know even where to start. If you see someone doing something well, don't be afraid to reach out to them because the worst they can say is no. The worst that will happen is they they will read your message and not respond, which sucks. But it won't be because you didn't reach out and you won't be, be like, oh, I didn't get my question answered because I didn't ask it. Because nine times out of 10, I have found that if you ask someone, be like, hey, like, I love your book cover. Can you tell me like where you found your artist? Nine times out of 10, people will tell you. And they'll be like, do you have any other questions? Are there other ways that I can help you? I, I speak for a lot of self and indie published authors. I can't say anything for trad authors because they do have certain things that they can't talk about. So caveat, talk to people, ask questions. And I forgot the second half of the question. So what have you learned from your clients that could help other writers and self-publishers? Okay. What have I learned? Patience. It's a, it's a journey. And what's you're doing does not necessarily have to look like what other people are doing. Everybody's lives is structured differently. Some people have kids, some people have husbands and wives and spouses and partners, parents, pets, jobs, just daily stress. Some people have other obstacles that they have to overcome. Everybody has their own life and those factors are going to play a part into what their journey looks like and the type of people they meet, the type of marketing they do, the type of book that they put out, how fast those things happen. So you just have to learn to be patient with yourself. One of my author friends is like, he has an in with the, I'll say directing industry, like the entertainment industry, because before he became a writer, he was working as a director in Hollywood. So when he wrote his books, it's like, oh, I already know people in this industry. So his book to movie pipeline was a lot shorter than what a lot of people would expect. That's his lived experience. That's his life. So if that's something that you're looking for, you have to have patience with it because it's not going to look the same for everyone. I also have a friend who can put out a book like every three months because she's extremely talented. And I'm just like, superwoman, tell me your secrets. Her thing is just like, yeah. So um, what I do is I just like, I get a pen and I sit down and I write and then it's done. And I'm like, okay, that tells me absolutely nothing. Thank you so much for that insight. <laughs> so yeah, patience, just accepting that you are who you are. You're an individual and your audience is going to love what you're putting out because you are you and not anyone else. Yeah, I think the just sit down and write is basically something I've heard Stephen King say, which, you know, doesn't really help <laughs> like, to physically get it done. Right. It's just kind of like, I hear you in theory, but like, where does the coffee come in? Where does the tea? Where do the bathroom breaks? Where does the scrolling of the TikTok come in? Okay, mm -hmm. I, you're missing some steps here. 
And like you mentioned, you know, family and other obligations, responsibilities, everything that all factors in. Absolutely. And then also just like the creation aspect of it, because like everybody creates differently. Some people start with characters. Some people start with worlds. Some people are like, oh, I need a word count. I know exactly how many words this story is going to be. The creation process is different. Some people are completely chaotic. Like my friend, she just sits down and writes and she's like, her process is chaotic. I love that for her. I could not live that way. But then there are also other people who plot out everything down to the last detail. Detail, and it's just like also could not live that way for me but just accepting that it's different and it's just like that works for you and also obligations because there's a huge difference between people who write full-time and people who have like like full-time jobs because that takes a lot out of you so when you have to go and work for someone else for eight hours realistically nine once you factor in like lunch and if you have like a, the shortest commute of all lifetime with other authors who work full-time you still have to like put in another eight hours it's it's going to look different so you're published wide and you sell directly from your own website. Have you considered using Kindle Unlimited and what made you decide to publish wide? So that was a process. Full transparency on the journey, right? When I first started with Keeping Promises, the novella that we don't talk about, when I was publishing Keeping Promises, like I said, I didn't know anything. I was just like Amazon, Kindle, free ISBN, cover art that I made myself from free stock images. Let's go. Let's do it. I did. Did not like Kindle Unlimited personally for myself because there are a lot of books and Kindle Unlimited, which I just kind of felt like I was getting lost in the sauce, essentially, um, because there are so many books and so many authors who you've never heard of on Kindle Unlimited. And that's not a bad thing. A lot of people get Kindle Unlimited because they get to try it without feeling like they're having to pay for something and take a, like a true, genuine risk on something. It's kind of like the library. You can check it out, see if you like it. If you don't like it, cool. But the biggest thing for me is I've always known that I don't respond well to like authority and rules, just like in general, which is why I don't work for other people anymore. The Kindle Unlimited just came with a lot of rules for me that I did not vibe with because they were like, hey, uh, if you're with us, you can't sell your ebook anywhere else on the internet. It has to be exclusive to us. And I was just like, ah, did not read the fine print before I agreed to this. So once my time limit was up, I was like, no, I'm not going to renew this. But then I had signed up for a free ISBN through Amazon. So I couldn't take my book off the platform. And it was just like a whole fiasco. Keeping Promises was a genuine learning experience. So when I got to We Are the Origin, I was just like, I am not going to be putting it in Kindle Unlimited because also, I feel like with Kindle Unlimited, there is a certain idea of the type of book that people are looking for when they click on it. And nine times out of 10, the, the people that I have talked to just like personal have been like, they go to Kindle Unlimited when they're looking for romance. They generally are not looking for full-fledged like high fantasy when they click on a book from Kindle Unlimited. They're kind of looking for something light, but something they can get through and kind of can be like, oh, I can read it whenever type thing. Or if they stop in the middle and don't finish it, they're not really concerned about it. I knew that for We Are the Origin, that's not the kind of book that I wanted it to be. As for white distribution, I'm going to be honest, that's just vanity. I want to be able to go into a bookstore and be like, oh, that's my book. <laughs> and I wanted to be able to like <laughs> have like author signings and stuff that kind of fed into also not signing up with Kindle Unlimited. And again, just learning that like, oh, I can sell my book direct. And oh, if I do this, I will actually just make more money than trying to sell it through a third party. I have complete control over it. If I can bundle it how I want. So like with We Are Dying Gods, I have been able to like create a pre-order box that's coming with like the, a hardback book that's signed and I could offer a full color map that comes with it and then I could also
also offer a Kindle and I can offer bookmark. So selling it through my site, I was just like, I have so much more creative freedom with this that I just really enjoy. And I think Kindle Unlimited is definitely the right choice for some people, depending on what their goals are. So like if you are writing romance or if you are writing like an urban fantasy that's on the shorter side, because again, from my personal anecdotal experience of talking to other people, nine times out of 10, when they're looking for a Kindle Unlimited book, they're looking for a book that's around that two to 200 page mark. They're not really looking for a three or 400 page novel. So if that's what you're doing, then yeah, that's a whole market that can be tapped into. But if you're looking for like a tome of fantasy, then that might not be the best way to go. And publishing wide, I feel like the biggest thing for me with that was also not just the vanity, but also accessibility. Because when you publish wide, um, it gives it access to libraries. And having grown up going, like my favorite place to go was the library for the longest time. I just wanted to at least have the option for my book to be requested there. It was just a fun marketing ploy to be like, hey, you want to support me and you're broke? No problem. Go to your local library and request my book. It costs you absolutely nothing. So that that also helped work, work in my favor. I feel like, again, I feel like I'm rambling, y'all. I'm so sorry. No, your answers are awesome. And it's giving yeah. a lot of great insight and tips for our listeners. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, awesome. As long as I'm not like being like, y'all not in your mind like Chelsea, stop. It's okay. <laughs> are you comfortable discussing any publishing missteps or things that you would have liked to have done differently? Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like I say this all the time, like being an author is a journey. And part of the reason I say that is because no matter how much you know, how much you learn, how much research you do, you're going to do something that you're like, oh, I should have done this differently. <laughs> There's like literally no way to avoid it. And that's okay, right? A lot of my missteps are kind of like what I've talked about already with keeping promises. <laughs> I call it my sacrificial book in a lot of ways, because I had no idea what I was doing. And I just had to sacrifice it up to the writing gods and be like, I'm going to try this and if it works out great oh for me personal missteps were like I said enrolling in Kindle Unlimited when I did not do any research about what it was I did not read the contract um oh fun fact before you do anything Ingram Spark Kindle Unlimited any type of publisher read the contract of what you're agreeing to um it's not all legalese some of it is confusing but most of it is very straightforward and going to tell you exactly what you can and cannot do so definitely read that and specifically the parts about cancellation if you change your mind about wanting to be with them and how to contact them because that's going to be really important in the long run. That was one of my major missteps. So read the contract before you sign it. Know what kind of platform you're putting it on and what it's for because everything isn't for everyone. So I think I mentioned earlier when I first started writing, I was like uploading things to free websites. And one of those towards the end of 2009 to 2012, I was on Wattpad really heavy. And this was before the first uh, author got her publishing deal. I forgot her name. Before she got her publishing deal and got really big, right? When Wattpad was just a little website run by a couple of dudes in Canada. I thought I saw advice on the internet where it's just like, oh, upload some of your chapters to Wattpad. And then, you know, that's another way to get like attention and yada, yada, yada. Going back to that Kindle Unlimited thing, you can't share your book on the internet. That was also an issue, but then also uploading your book for free can be counterproductive. That was also something that I was just like, okay, this advice really wasn't worth taking. Creating the cover myself. I have a lot of skills. Cover art is not one of them. So that was a really big misstep. I eventually had to go and get another professional cover remade, not taking the time 
time to learn how I wanted the book actually format it so that it would look nice and understand the difference between a novel and a novella from the very beginning. There were just a lot of things where it's just like, I would have really benefited from just doing more research, but it's also one of those things where you don't really know what questions to ask until you do it wrong. The biggest thing that I, I think if I could go back and tell myself before I hit publish is like buy your own ISBN, especially if you are planning to do any type of physical book, like eBooks, you can probably get away with it if you finagle it correctly. But physical books, get your own ISBN. That way you have full creative control because like what you feel right now, when you're like, I just finished the book. I just want to get it out in the world. I don't care how that, that feeling in like two weeks is going to fade away. And you're going to be like, oh, someone with like experience is going to be like, well, are you doing this? And it's going to be a completely genuine question. And you're going to be like, oh, and then you're going to look into it and be like, oh, I can't do that because I don't have my ISBN. So I, I can't take my book off of this platform to do it a way that's actually going to make me more money. And then also recently with We Are the Origin, I probably would have gone about the audiobook slightly differently just because audiobooks are expensive. And I was just like, oh, it's fine. I'm just going to make the money back. I'll do it. Hee hee hee. Credit card. Yeah. Also probably would have thought about that a little bit more. <laughs> But I wanted it to be accessible to, to any and everyone. So I wouldn't call it a misstep, just like a learning curve. <laughs> what would you have done differently with the audiobook? I probably just would have saved up for it, at least a sizable chunk of it, instead of just like putting it on the credit card, because I was like, oh, the physical book is having like really good success with it. So I was like, the audiobook, people love audiobooks. So I was just like, it'd also be available in, in libraries and on like Scribd and like subscription stuff, where it's just like every time someone listens to it and downloads it, you know, you get a cut from that. And so I was just like, okay, this is a good idea. It wasn't a bad idea. I don't regret it. I just would have waited and been a little bit more patient with it instead of being like, I need this right now. Also too, I mean, audiobook sales have grown tremendously in the last couple of years. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, can, I can see that too, being part of your decision. Absolutely. People love audiobooks and it's a very real way that I suggest that people think about, especially if they do have the capital to invest into their writing in that way. Um, it is on the expensive side, but the thing is, I feel like the audiobook will definitely make its money back, just probably not in the time span that I was hoping that it would. If you could only pass on one thing to aspiring self-published writers, what's your best publishing tip or trick? Mm. The best one? My best tip or trick, which I tell everyone, is to write a good book. And I know that that is probably like, duh, Chelsea, of course I'm going to write a good book. What are you talking about? But like, truly, like, I would recommend putting most of your energy not into, into marketing, not into book tours, not into blog tours, not into, you know, physical art copies to show off on the internet. Like, write a really good book. Because what I have learned um, just existing on the internet, both as a, an author or reader and and having the privilege of talking to other authors, the thing that is going to be most beneficial to you is a story that people talk about. So we're going to transition a little away from publishing and into marketing. So can you let us know how you market your books? I know you said earlier that you don't really market the romance novel as of right now. <laughs> what do you do for your fantasy series and how do you market your books? Marketing is one of those things that I feel like I am very much still learning so much in. I will be honest, a lot of my marketing comes from like genuine like word of mouth. But for the things that I did intentionally, um, my biggest platform that I would say has been influential in how like my book has sold has definitely been TikTok and Twitter. And for me with TikTok, one thing that I personally always do is every TikTok that I make, I'm like, hey, my name is Chelsea. If you've never seen before, I write books about Black girls who aren't all that nice. And 
this is my book. And then I move to the side and I hold up a actual picture or a screenshot. Sometimes it's varying as like the journey went on and I had like hard bags and paperbacks and everything else. But I always be like, this is my book. And I show them the cover. So that's like the first five seconds of my video. I don't care if you're just swiping through, you're going to see me and my book. That was really helpful because that led to a lot of people just asking questions. Oh, that's a really pretty cover. <laughs> Thank you. To me, it's a lot less stressful to respond to comments on TikTok than it is on Instagram because I feel like TikTok is a little bit more genuine in the way that people approach versus Instagram, which is kind of like your best self. So it feels a little bit more, like I said at the beginning, it feels like a manufactured version of your best author self. Whereas I feel like TikTok is more like the genuine version of my author self. And I feel like for me personally, just the way that I am, I feel like people respond more to that for me. Also with TikTok, just responding to other people who have questions because there are a lot of readers who post things and that helped out. I remember there was this, uh, there was this woman, she was like, you know, I wish people would talk about their books like gossip, you know, like give me the chisme. And I was just like, okay. And so I stitched it and I was just like, so this is what the book is about. And it was just like a, a minute, maybe two, where I was just like, this is what happens in the book. And then I got to the, like the plot and I just ran through the summary, you know, and then I got to the end. I was like, okay. And if y'all want to know what happens next, y'all going to have to go get the book. That's really helped spike my pre-orders and even now people watch it and respond and they go get the book and it's just like oh okay cool this was <laughs> this was a good idea also I don't know how you guys are on the internet but I feel like on Twitter you always see book covers of like trad authors and it's just like oh this book is coming out this book is coming out I basically try to utilize Twitter in that way so whenever I make a post about my book they are kind of like few and far between when I have something to announce similar to how like trad authors do and they're like oh I have a thing coming up but I can't talk about it yet and then they drop it and then it's just like oh and it kind of explodes I've been trying to like utilize that same kind of energy and it's been going over pretty well. So like when I announced my bundle for We Are the Origin, so it's pre-order for the heartback of We Are Dying Gods. When I announced it or whatever, I had over 200 retweets on that tweet. And it's just like people seeing the cover, some people going ahead to pre-order, but other people just bookmarking it for like when it comes out later. I have found this like super helpful. We talked about this behind the scenes before we came on to the interview, this idea of your bundle. This is a marketing tactic that you're doing, but we haven't heard you explain it here on the podcast itself. So do you want to explain that? Ah, okay. Yeah. So for We We Are Dying Gods is the sequel to We Are the Origin. With We Are the Origin, since that was my first book, I was just kind of like winging a prayer. I'm like, I'm going to purchase these books, especially selling it direct. I was like, I'm going to purchase this case of books and hopefully people will buy it and I will, you know, not be in the negative. And luckily, God, God be good. People did buy it. And so I got to do a bundle. So for We Are Dying Gods, one thing that I have done so I'm going to show this if you're watching. I have the cover, but I always do something underneath the hardback and people really enjoy that. So I was like, for We Are Dying Gods, instead of having to do like a rollout, like I did for We Are the Origin, where it's like the paperback came out first and then the hardback and then the limited edition and then the audiobook because I had no money. I couldn't do it all at once. So for We Are Dying Gods, I was like, no, we're going to, we're going to go big, <laughs> right? There are two bundles currently available. And one of the things that I do to market is I sell my books direct. So the pre-order currently currently it's up on Amazon but the main one that I promote is my website because you have the most options there so you can pre-order the ebook paperback or hardback individually um, and the hardback we are the origin one also has something underneath the cover that's specifically for the hardback but the bundle the first one is the one that I was just like oh I'm really excited about this I want to do something special so it's a box it comes with a signed hardcover version of book two it also comes with a full in color map of the world that's unique to the story it also comes with full color bookmark. It also comes with a candle that is scented like one of the mythical animals in my book. Um, it's called a baby shader. I'm checking the budget and with a couple of retailers to see if I can include anything else in the 
the box. And I want it to be something that's fun where it's just like you get it and it's just like, okay, I'm in like full immersive experience with the book. The second bundle is more so like, hey, if you got the paperback, but you want the hardback, I'm selling a bundle where you can get both of them at the same time. So you don't have to pay for separate shipping and they come together. Both will be signed. Both come with the pre-order merch, the pre-order artwork and the bookmark. But you can have a matching set because one of the things that was really important to me that I, that I know is really important to readers is both the covers and the spines go together and they're the same size. So if you put them on the shelf, they look like a series. Marketing it, sharing it, I feel like people are really excited about both of them. I don't know if that was the question that you wanted me to yes, answer. Yes, definitely. And I think okay. just putting together the bundle, that is marketing in itself because you're you're marketing the brand behind the series as well, especially mm-hmm. like the scented candle and the artwork. And, and I think that's a, it's a really good um, marketing tactic. I, I feel it is anyways. And that is still going to be available for purchase as of the release of this video, if I remember correctly. Yes. So the one that comes with the candle is 50. I'm only selling 50 boxes of those. I'm not going to get any more. Um, I'm about halfway through the stock already and we're like in April. Book comes out in August. So hopefully there's <laughs> be some left. But if not, the the bundle with just both books, that's going to remain available. Um, so if you haven't gotten into the series or anyone hasn't gotten to the series and you're like, oh, I want to and I just want to get both books, that's, that's an option possibility as well. But if you want the paperback version, you can get both of those in they're just not in a bundle. They're on the website though. <laughs> so yeah. So for over a year, I've researched how romance authors market themselves because I'm preparing to release my first fantasy romance series and spice yeah, thank you. And spice or steam levels are something I've seen discussed. I actually um, held a panel on my YouTube channel to talk about spice and steam levels and how this is determined. And so I've been doing a lot of research in how published romance books are doing this, especially with the reference to like chili peppers. I've heard this term chili peppers used quite a bit. When I checked out your website, I was so surprised to see spice levels represented by tacos and bacon. So <laughs> first, what is it with food and sex scenes and uh, spice levels? And But, you know, on a serious note, um, where or how are you influenced to use those to represent spice levels? Ah, Okay. <laughs> So um, the reason I say I say that, and um, if you haven't been to my website, just for clarification, um, if you're curious about reading my first romance, my novella that we don't talk about, we don't talk about Bruno, right? But if you want to know, I say that it has a spice level of tacos because tacos are really not all that spicy, right? And then We Are the Origin has a spice level of bacon, which is not spicy at all. And I just said that because I felt like, okay, chili peppers, you spice automatically. I, don't, I feel like it's a mouthfeel, right? It's just like, <laughs> that's what you're going for. So that's where the food comes in, in my opinion. I don't know. I haven't done any research on it, but that's my opinion. It's the mouthfeel, right? How spicy is it? But then also for me, I just, I chose those two things because I didn't want to use chili peppers because I feel like if you use chili peppers, people automatically assume that there's at least a little bit in there. And I'm just kind of like with my books, I don't have them. With Keeping Promises, it is, it's off screen, like it's implied. It's not completely off screen, but there's nothing like you know he did this she did that none of that with we are the origin it is off screened except except in the limited edition so the limited edition has i say that that version is 18 and up i make it very clear when marketing it that it's only available through my website because i don't want it available in bookstores and libraries where people can see the title and the author and think that they are the same thing so it's it's extra and on my website i'm very clear like hey this is 18 and up because this has on screen like on page set and I was just like the books that I write I wanted it to be accessible and I wanted anyone who does research because I know in this age of the internet a lot of people who read books do
do look up the author and they do go to their websites and they do find them on TikTok or whatever. So I was just like, ain't no spice in here. And part of the reason for that is my beta reader, one of my beta readers, when I was working on We Are the Origin, she was like, oh, I wanted more romance. I wanted more spice. I wanted this. And there's a specific scene towards the end of the book between two characters, which a lot of people were like, how are you going to stop it right here? I don't understand. And I was just like, well, technically the scene does go on. I did write it. It just didn't make it to the book. And one of my friends who writes erotica, she was like, send this to me right now, like right now. And so I sent it to her. She's like, this is really good. You should like do a version with this. And I was like, okay. So that's how the limited edition version came about. But I chose bacon because I mean, if you've had bacon, bacon is not spicy. It's like, wait, this is it's flavor. It's tasty. It is not spicy. <laughs> and tacos are just like, again, they're one of those things where it's just like, it has a little spice to it. Maybe put some hot sauce on it, but inherently it is not spicy. And I didn't want people to have the wrong expectation. We Are the Origins not a romance. And I wanted people to know that because that's also a really big marketing tactic that a lot of authors use who do write romance. They're like, I have a fantasy romance. And then sometimes when you have a fantasy and it has a woman on the cover, they assume it's a romance. And I'm like, no. Please do not come here for that. Please do not come here for the romance. It's not, it's not how this is set up. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> so yeah. As you were talking about that, I have not seen your TikTok account, but I was just thinking if you're like showing my my book and my romance level and you hold a piece of bacon up and it flops over. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little inappropriate if it's flopping, but yeah. <laughs> I had that vision in my head while you were talking. <laughs> I just, and also <laughs> It's not something that I tell people. It's just something that's on my website when they go to purchase. So they're not blindsided. And I just assume it's probably a part of failure on my part. But I'm just like, I just assume that if you're going to read the book, you read the description. (laughs) But some people don't. And they're just like, oh, I was disappointed. I tried to tell you. (laughs) I tried to tell you. So if you could pass on one thing to aspiring self-published writers, what's your best marketing tip or trick? Marketing tip or trick. Um, find the platform that you like and be consistent with it. Do not try to do all of them because there are too many. If you have a Facebook, a Twitter, and then you have a TikTok, and then you have, I don't know, a Snapchat. Do people even do that anymore? I don't know. And then (laughs) you have like, if you have like six different platforms and you're trying to separate like your personal life, where it's just like you follow your mom and your friends from high school, then you have your author account. Well, now you have two and now you're up to, if you're just doing three platforms, you just went from having two accounts, three accounts to having six. And and creating content in the beginning when you're like when you haven't started yet it feels super easy I promise you it's more difficult than it looks so pace yourself pick one that you really like if you really like TikTok vibe with TikTok have that be your primary platform of choice if you like Twitter be on Twitter let that be your primary platform of choice but pick one that you like and be as consistent with it as you can there are always going to be times where you're going to be like okay I can't post today or there's going to be like a month where you're like I just need to focus on the book I just need to focus on myself I just need to focus on my mental health. You're going to have moments where you need to take a step away, but just pick one where you don't feel intimidated about coming back to it. Also pick the same username across platform. That is like the simplest, easiest, best rule. If you don't listen to anything that I've said in this entire podcast, which I don't recommend that you do. I I recommend that you listen to the rest of it too. But if you're just going to take one thing, right, pick the same username because what's going to happen is one day 
you're going to create an author bio or you're going to have a business card or you're going to have something where you're going to have where people are going to be like, so what are your socials? Where can people follow you? And you're going to have to do one of two things. Either you're going to have to pick one platform and just be like, I don't have enough time to tell you all of them. Or you're going to be talking about your platforms and spelling out the differences between them. And you're going to get mixed up and like stumble over your words. It's going to happen. Seen it, experience it. It's going to happen. So pick something that's recognizable, easy to spell that people can logically find you from if they can't remember the whole thing. My name, unfortunately, I have a very generic name. My name is Chelsea. Do you know how many Chelsea's there are on the internet? It's a lot. So <laughs> had to pick one, but C Lockhart Wright, C as in my first initial as in C and Lockhart. So my actual name and then write W-R-I-T-E because I'm a writer. That was available on every platform. So I grabbed that. And so now whenever someone asks, what are you like, what are your socials? I can be like, I'm at C Lockhart Wright, W-R-I-T-E on everything. And then there you go. It sounds a lot cleaner and it sounds a lot more like you thought it out and it sounds a lot more professional. And it's a very simple way to have people take you seriously because as a self-published author, the unfortunately, for better or for worse, the expectations for you are not very high. You kind of have to convince, not not convince people, but you have to show people that you got your stuff together more than they're expecting you to have it together, if that makes sense. And if you play your cards right, that will play in your favor because it'll look like you're exceeding expectations. And I was like, yeah, really, you're doing the bare minimum, homie, but that's okay. They think you're <laughs> exceeding. Let them <laughs> believe that, you know? So life hack. <laughs> Well, now we're going to transition from marketing to your writing life and your works. Being as busy as you are with running your indie business, how do you balance all of that and find time to write? Honestly, my life is very chaotic. On the outside, I feel like I look like I have it together. I do not. Um, I have a planner and a lot of times it's just like writing things down. For me, I had to kind of accept that it's not a equal division of like labor because I think that's what a lot of people think when they're like, oh, I want to do all these things. And so they think it's like of a pie chart and they're trying to divide the sections as evenly as possible. For me, it doesn't look that way. It looks like, okay, sometimes this entire pie is orange because I'm doing nothing but writing today. Sometimes it's entirely red because I'm doing nothing but recording and doing YouTube. And I have found that just giving space, as much space as needed to the task versus trying to be like, okay, I'm gonna spend 10 minutes on this. I'm gonna spend an hour on this and trying to break up my day because the way my brain is set up, I don't know how y'all are set up, but the way I am, I get hyper-focused on things. So I'm like, I have to finish this task before I can move on. If this task is gonna take me five hours, I need five hours to dedicate to this task. I can't be like, okay, I'm gonna do an hour today, an hour tomorrow, an hour on Wednesday. Yeah, no, my brain is gonna be like, why are you doing this? Let's just commit to this day on the roll instead of having to spend another five minutes tomorrow figuring out where I left off today so that I can pick up at the task and lose all the momentum that I've already built up to have to start on a new task. For me, it's just kind of like categorizing things like, okay, this is a melanin library task. This is a written and melanin task. This is a YouTube task. This is a podcast task. This is a writing task. And being like, okay, underneath those hats, right? What needs to be done and what has to be done like right now? And what can be like, I have a little bit of time. I have a little bit of grace with this. Being gentle with myself if I don't meet those deadlines, because inevitably there are going to be some things where it's just like, okay, realistically, I thought I had the energy for all of this today, but also like I forgot to beat myself because sometimes that's the thing that happens. I'm not the best human being at being a human being. <laughs> I forget to eat. I forget to drink water. I get tired or unexpected things happen. Like my mom calls and it's just like, I love her, but also that's a very draining phone call sometimes. And it's just like, I don't have the bandwidth to now sit here and record and be like, hey, you guys, what's up? It's not happening. Give me my 
myself grace. And then also, um, I can admit that I'm also very, very extremely fortunate to have a supportive husband. A lot of times he'll come in and he'll help on the things where it's just like, okay, I can see that you're overwhelmed. What do you need me to do? So for the podcast, he has basically taken over as my audio engineer. So like I will record the podcast and then he'll come in and he'll clean it up and edit it. And so all I have to do is like schedule it and promote it. Even though that's not a hard task because a lot of my podcast episodes, I'm just by myself, which means I don't have a whole lot of necessarily like retakes and I'm in a quiet controlled environment. It's still something that has to be done. And him listening to that 20 minutes because Shannon, Ben, Morgan, y'all have this podcast. I'm sure y'all understand that like if you have 20 minutes of audio, that's an hour of editing. (laughs) It takes so much longer to edit than the audio actually is. So him taking that off my plate is just really helpful. And then also just telling people, being honest when it's just like, if I need an extension or if I'm like, I can't do this, then just being honest with them and be like, Hey, I know we scheduled this for this day and time, but we're going to have to move it because I can't do this in this, by this day and this time and just learning from it. So it's just like, I know now if someone asked me to beta read something, I need at least two months. I cannot, I'm not getting back to you in a week, homie. It's not happening. And also saying no, that helps a lot when people are like, Hey, can you beta read for this? Can you edit for me? can you promote this for me? And it's just kind of like with promotions, like, well, do you have the caption and the image? Because I can just, I can repost something real easy, but do you need me to create it? You need me to like be original? Mm, that takes brain power. I don't know. I don't know if I have the stamina for that. Do y'all play video games at all? I don't. Okay, so Ben will know what I'm talking about. But basically, when you play video games, you get a stamina bar at the top (laughs) for how much you can do that day. And it's just like, sometimes my stamina bar is only, I I start the day out at 50. So that's where I'm at. I'm not trying to do 100% for this, but I'm rambling. Point is, I give space to things that need space. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, that stamina bar is one of the worst things about the recent Zelda games. Anyways, so- Can we talk about it? (laughs) Nah, Skyward Sword I just went through and it is it is miserable. But feel free to go in any direction with this question because I'm going to kind of do a little bit open-ended. But we are right now in April, as you mentioned, and this will be coming out in August, which is when your next book, We Are Dying Gods, will be coming out. So do you want to tell us what's coming next after that? Because this will be coming out in August. Say, you know, what, what's coming out after that? Or do you want to talk about what you're working on to get We Are Dying Gods up and ready to go between now and August? Wow. Okay. Loaded questions. Love it. (laughs) Um, Okay. So what I'm doing to get it ready, currently it's completely written. It's with my beta readers and my editor currently. I love my beta readers because basically um, what had happened was I sent it out and then I sat on the book for two weeks and I was like, ew, this is this is not as good as it could be. So then I had to go back. And so now I'm currently in the process of like basically rewriting the entire book because that's just what needed to be done. I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience, but it's just like, this isn't bad, but it could definitely be better. That's that's kind of the point that I'm at. So I'm currently rewriting. Um, I have five beta readers who have already agreed to like read it in the six week timeline that I'm giving them. And I am also like reaching out to ARC reviewers so that I can get the book out to them on time so that they know it's coming and can like set set aside time appropriately so they can help me promote when the book comes out in a couple of months. After We Are Dying Gods, there is going to be a book three. So I'm hoping, I'm praying that this will be the end of the, the series. I'm pretty sure at this point, I'm pretty confident that the Wrath of the Gods series is going to be a trilogy. Planning out book three. And then there's also another book that I 
really like just it's living in me right now that I just really want to write. Um, it's the first book of another series that I had always planned to write, but right now it's just like pay attention to me, bruh. You can't you keep can't keep putting me off. So I'm like, okay, I hear you. I have my cover artist is working on a cover for that because I'm one of those people where like I need to see something visually to like imagine it because it's the first book in a series. I learned from We Are the Origin that it's a lot easier to work with an artist when they have some say in how the characters are designed. I sent her description and she sent me back some sketches and I'm like, okay, let's tweak it this way. So I'm going to be writing the character specifically to her art, which I'm really excited to be doing that. But yeah, that's kind of like in the meantime, in between time and definitely what's coming up after We Are Dying Gods, either book three immediately after or the first book of another series. And actually I have a short story called uh, Burn, which is the origin story for one of the characters in the new series. And that's coming out with the Stygian Collection, which is a collection of other author tubers where it's just like everyone who's in it is an author tuber. So that's also really cool. It's, I know it's coming out in June. I want to say June 6th. So by the time this airs, it'll already be out. It's called the Stygian Collection. And I'm really excited about it. And it's all in like the same world. It's all connected. So yeah, that's what's coming up for me. I think I, I must have read it on your website, I think, but where you talked about you're getting your cover designed and working with your cover designer and how you had an idea. And she's like, well, what about this? <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah. so I was like, oh, that, that's pretty cool how, you know, you kind of gave her that that space to create what she thought would be a great vision for your, your book. And I, and I think the covers are beautiful. Absolutely. So one of the things that I try to tell people all the time, especially if they can, is to like give creators to create, just like we're creators. You know, if someone gives us a topic, like all four of us could get the same exact topic right now and we're going to create four completely different things from that idea and it's kind of the same with a cover artist like you send them an idea you send them your vision and then they're tasked with bringing it to life but they also have their own vision you know so if you have the space being open to that because with the with we are the origin and we are dying gods my my cover artist was basically like yeah I can do exactly what you asked me for but like what if we did this instead (laughs) it came out so so much better than anything that I could have anticipated and even like the little subtle details that she put in the back I didn't ask for that I just need a black girl with green eyes on the cover can you help me and she was like yeah (laughs) I got you with the upcoming cover I have a different cover artist and she has a completely different style so our interactions have been a lot different but also the way the cover is coming along it's just like I really appreciate it for what it is and what she's doing because like I said it's like I have this idea I write generally speaking ensemble casts there are some characters I'm like no this character has to look this way but some of the other characters I'm like this is who they are like have at it have fun (laughs) and we can just like tweak it as we go so I can write their character descriptions to whatever you draw that's been really fun and collaborative and I feel like it gives a level of I don't know I give I think feel like it gives it an extra something like a special I don't know how to it's just a sound like to your cover that you just can't get when you're just like I want this specifically well you have answered all of our questions and before we wrap up though can you tell our listeners where they can find you and purchase your books Absolutely. So you can find me anywhere on the internet at C as in Chelsea, Lockhart, L-O-C-K-H-A-R-T, right, W-R-I-T-E. I am mostly on TikTok and Twitter because those are my happy spaces. And I'm also on YouTube. Written in Melanin is my channel. I stream usually on Thursdays at 11 a.m. when I'm doing when I'm actually writing to do writing sprints. And the Melanin chat is coming back on May 9th. We do that stream it once a month on the second Tuesday of the month, starting at 10 o'clock from 10 to 11. We're on YouTube from 11 to 12. We're in our discord server so you can join our patreon to join up and sign up for that and basically uh the youtube channel is for pg-13 everyone's welcome and the after chats for grown folks so 
<laughs> feel free, feel free to join. Um, as for my books, I have, you know, the one we don't talk about, as well as <laughs> We Are the Origin and We Are Dying Gods. All of them are available on my website, cmlockhart.com. And you can also check out the audiobook um, wherever you get your audiobooks from. And you can request all of my books from your local library if that is what you prefer. Um, I'm also on those other major platforms like Amazon and Best, Barnes and Noble and stuff. But, you know, get it from me directly. I promise you it's a better deal. <laughs> I promise yeah. you it's a better deal. And supports the author a whole lot more than getting it through another platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I get paid faster. So like if you buy a book from me, I get paid that day. If you buy a book from me from Barnes and Noble, I get paid in three months. Yeah. So. Much later. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us all your insight and your experience. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was so fun. And I'm glad that I got to talk with all of you. So I'm grateful. Thank you. Um, thank you so much to our listeners or viewers. We will be back with another episode on September 1st with Plotter. So we look forward to the episode and that will be it. Thank you, everybody. Bye.